I was like, oh my goodness, single moms have huge barriers to employment, to providing for their kids. They they have to choose between being present or providing and and childcare is so expensive and transportation can be an issue and um, it's it can be so difficult. So as I actually reevaluated my business that I had planned to employ women overseas, I remember going to my professor at the end of my sophomore year and saying, what if I employed single moms instead? Welcome to the Heart Candy Podcast. I'm your host, McKenna, fellow coffee lover, sour gummy worm enthusiast, and most importantly, your friend. My heart behind this podcast is to help take your focus off of the eye candy that our culture has taught us to be obsessed with and magnify the heart candy that exists around each and every one of us every single day. We'll be hanging out with women just like you and just like me who are making a difference in our communities right now. Girl, are you ready to feel equipped, encouraged, and empowered? I know I am. So what do you say? Come join in on the conversation and let's get to it. On today's episode, we have a guest who is so dear to my heart. This girl, let me tell you, is without a doubt set apart by God to do incredible things. This girl's name is Tori Cortez. Tori is a recent graduate of North Central University. She has an amazing testimony of how God walked her through her journey with cancer as a child. She has a huge heart for people and missions, and she started her own local business that supports single mothers by providing them with flexible and sustainable employment through making earrings. How cool is that? I love it. Tori, why don't you say hello to the podcast? Hello, everyone, and thanks, McKenna, for having me. I'm so excited to do my first podcast with you. Oh, I'm so honored that you are, or that I am, your first podcast. I love it. I am just so happy you're on the podcast today. I'm not sure if you even know how special you have been in my life. I can remember, even though I only saw you a few times a year growing up, you were one of those friends I just knew I could really trust and lean on and seriously was like a spiritual sister to me in my life. And I want those who are listening to have the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Um, So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where are you from? What degree did you just graduate with? And uh, we'll do like a fun random one. Like, what's your favorite candy or or something? Okay. Um, I am originally from Beverly, Massachusetts. So I grew up there my whole life until I went to college actually at North Central University, which you mentioned, which is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So it's like 20 hours away by driving. It's only a three hour plane ride. Anyways, but I've been there for the past four years and I just graduated with a degree in entrepreneurship, actually. Um, And I have a minor in pre-law. We don't know if that's going to go anywhere, but we might try. Who knows? Um, And then as far as fun, the fun question, my favorite candy, I actually... I do prefer salty things a lot more than like sweets and candy. Um, But I think my favorite candy is Snickers because it incorporates like the chocolatey and the nutty flavors I don't know interesting (laughs) Snickers is probably my least favorite (laughs) of the candies oh no I am a sour gummy worm fanatic that's my favorite Um, oh my goodness yeah 
So <laughs> I'm kind of on the whole opposite opposite spectrum of of you, but that's okay. Go Snickers. <laughs> um, so how has this transition been for you as a college graduate during a pandemic? I think it's easy to be like, of course, I feel robbed of my graduation. Probably so far, one of the biggest accomplishments of anyone's life is you know, by the time they're graduating college is graduating college. And so uh, it feels sad not to have all my family out here because they're still in Massachusetts and um, to celebrate that. But at the same time, um, in this in this season, I have been really, really thankful because um, God has, like, I still have a job um, and I feel totally provided for. And um, I actually was able to graduate debt-free. Um, so I don't have that fear of um, like student loans approaching and I just got approved for an apartment. So I really am actually still very excited for what's happening and really thankful that, yeah, I just feel like God has provided and I have a good support system. And so um, I'm feeling okay. Wow. That is amazing. That is really cool. Has it been hard being away from your family during the season or are you that type of person who's like totally independent, good on their own? It hasn't really affected you much. I do miss my family. Um, especially uh, I was going to have not only my parents and my brother, one of my brothers, I have two, but one of them was going to fly out. I was also going to have a couple aunts come out for graduation. So I think the hardest part was actually not missing the ceremony, but missing family. Like I was so excited to show them my life here because over the past four years, I've been able to fly home and tell them about it. Um, but only my parents have been able to come out here and see my life here. So I was really excited to share with them like my world. Um, so that was really sad and it is hard being away from them, especially like, um, my brother now has two kids. And so like my parents will see them and, and, and zoom call me. And it's just like, Oh, I wish I could be in the same room with all of you. But at the same time, I do love being independent and kind of leading my own life. So it's have both have pros and cons. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That totally makes sense. So hopefully they'll be able to come visit you at some point. Um, okay. So Tori, you are obviously doing so many incredible things, um, and you have quite the story. Let's take it back a few steps to the beginning. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about your journey as a child through having cancer? What was that like for you? Yeah, um, I was, so a little, yeah, context was I was diagnosed with leukemia when I was six years old, um, and then I actually had it twice, so I was re-diagnosed with leukemia when I was nine, um, and so the first time that I was sick, I had to have chemotherapy, and something interesting about my case, I don't know how often this happens, but I was actually in remission for two years. So in between being diagnosed the first time, being treated for uh, with chemotherapy for uh, about a year, and then being in remission for two years, and then I was re-diagnosed at nine. Um, I think a lot of cases, actually, they the cancer comes back much quicker. And so it was very 
strange, first of all, for me to like return to normal life, like be back in school, uh, have my hair growing back, like kind of be like, okay, it's behind me. And then once everything is finally like starting to be normal again, to be like, oh, it came back. Um, so I think that was, and I, I'm actually a pastor's kid as well. So, um, when I got it, when I was diagnosed the first time, um, I was too young to really like have this questioning my faith moment. I feel like I definitely was like childish and like, oh, I still love God and this bad thing's happening to me, but I didn't understand it enough to kind of like doubt God or um, have that struggle the first time I was sick. But when I was diagnosed again at nine, one of the first questions I asked when I found out that I was re-diagnosed to my parents was like, why is God letting this happen? Like, um, and so that was definitely as a child, like I began to struggle with the real aspects of faith of like bad things are still happening in my life, but God is supposed to be good and loving. Um, and so struggling through even the, those ideas of like, did I do something wrong? Like, did I cause this? Like a lot of serious things that people probably face at some point in their life, in their faith. Um, so that was extremely, it was extremely difficult. And the whole process, like I remember um, actually the second time around, I was in ICU intensive care unit um, on my birthday. And again, it was one of those moments of like, not only do I have cancer, but God, like I'm in the hospital in this in, intensive care unit on my birthday. Like I wanted to be home for this day. And so there was a lot of struggle with, with faith and being sick. Um, but I also feel like God taught me a lot through that, that experience. Wow. That's intense stuff to go through. Like, especially as a child, I can't even imagine. Did you have like a lot of fear and anxiety that came with that or because of your relationship with the Lord? Did he kind of help you through that? Or what were like your human feelings that you were going through at the time beyond just struggling your faith with your faith? I feel like for me, I would really struggle with anxiety if I was going through a similar situation. Yeah. Um, the second time around was definitely the most difficult. Um, and I did, I struggled with both anxiety and loneliness. So the second time that I was diagnosed, it was decided that I would, um, the best course of treatment for me was a bone marrow transplant. But in order to get that, I had to have all of my white blood cells, um, actually through radiation removed from my body. So pretty much the white blood cells are what fight infection. And in order for my body not to reject the new bone marrow that they were going to give me, I needed to have all of those removed. And so I had to go to the hospital, but with having all the white blood cells removed, um, I was actually, I had to be in isolation for a year, which means that I could live at home. So I lived with my family. Um, 
but I couldn't go to school. I couldn't go to church. I couldn't go to other people's houses. I was only allowed in my house or outside. And even then they recommended staying three feet away from people, which is kind of ironic with the whole Corona business (laughs) right now, because I'm like, oh my goodness, I've lived this before where there were instructions of like, hey, your white blood cell count isn't high enough. You can't fight disease. So you need to do everything to prevent getting sick. So yeah, again, don't go into a public places where there are tons of germs. You, you don't want to be reintroduced to new germs. And so again, even outside, you should stay away, like at a specific distance. Um, and I'm actually an extreme extrovert. And I somewhat wonder if it's contributed to this time of extreme loneliness. So I was, um, I was 10 to 11, like from the the time that I turned 10 to 11 was about the time that I was on the isolation aspect of the treatment. And I can remember just like crying in my bedroom, feeling like I feel so alone in this. Like my, my brothers get to go to school and get to have a life and I'm home all day. And I don't feel like I have purpose and I'm young, but, and I just want to have fun partly, but it was just so overwhelming to be only have interaction really with my family for a year of my life. Um, and the other aspect, so it's interesting because while I was being treated, there were definitely scary moments, scary surgeries that I had to have scary, you know, radiation was, um, everything for the first time is scary. Like, Oh, what is it going to feel like? How am I going to respond to it? Um, you know, chemotherapy causes you to be really sick. So there's a lot of fear in that. But actually some of the most anxiety I felt was after I um, was in recovery or in remission the second time, I was afraid that any time I felt I had a stomach ache or a fever, I was afraid that my cancer had returned. And so that was one of the, again, I can remember, literally, I remember getting a stomach ache one night and curling up in a ball in my bed and praying like, God, just don't let it be cancer again. Like I, it was, it was interesting that the most severe forms of anxiety I had actually came after and any sign of illness, I thought, well, what if this is it again? Like, what if I got it again? Um, so those were some of the most intense times. And of course, like God, I think God spoke to me a lot through my mom, actually, because my mom was a rock through this. Um, I think a lot of people look at me and say, wow, you were so strong. And I was like, I was not strong. Like, I definitely had doubts and fears and were filled with anxiety. But my mom was definitely someone who was like, even in your fear... Um, we are here to support you and you are going to get better. And I know that sometimes my words can't convince you of that, but you are going to move forward. And even things like tutoring, I was tutored during this time because she was like, you're not going to fall behind in school because you have a future. And so you need to keep up on this stuff and you uh, can't, yeah, you can't slack on this because this isn't it. So I, I really feel like God through my mom answered those fears and those anxieties that I had. Wow. That is really interesting. I never, I wouldn't even have, I mean, it makes sense why you would feel that anxiety and fear after, but, um, yeah, that's just really interesting. So what would you say was the biggest thing that you learned during that season, looking back on it now? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I learned, um, and I actually, again, I learned this in reflection of that experience, was that I now believe that God is good no matter what the circumstances. Um, And it seems a little cliche, but actually I heard my dad share a story about when I was sick. And I, after I was sick, like after I was in remission, I heard this story and I was, it was this moment of, oh my goodness, um, it will stay with me the rest of my life. And pretty much when I was first diagnosed with cancer, uh, we found out late at night that we received a call from the hospital after visiting because I had some bruises on my body. And in that call, I'm not sure what they exactly they told my parents, but they said it's urgent and you need to bring your daughter into the emergency room. And my dad was actually sharing this story in a sermon himself. And he said, in that situation, we were so fearful. We had no idea really what was going on with Tori, me, and (laughs) no idea what was going to happen. And he said, but we were, we were brushing our teeth, like getting ready, like packing a bag, like throwing stuff, like we, you know, just anything we think we could possibly need, um, and getting ready. And he was like in that bathroom with my wife, I I looked at my mom and he said, no matter what happens, no matter Tori's diagnosis, this household believes that God is good. And it was just this moment. It still is to me. Like that was not my response. I was a kid and I definitely did have my doubts. Again, one of my first questions when I was diagnosed the second time was why is God letting this happen? But my dad's was almost the opposite of no matter, again, no matter the, the diagnosis, we believe that God is good. And so I think that was the first like real life tangible situation in which I said, I had this realization of like, yeah, God's goodness is not based on my circumstance or my fear or my anxiety. Like I believe that God is good despite what's happening in my life. And because of that belief, I can act in uh, courageously. I can act boldly because I believe in a good God. Um, so that was my big takeaway, really my dad's takeaway. And I was like, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> wow. That is so, so, so good. I love that. Everybody listening, I hope you're taking notes or something because, girl, you are preaching over there and to me too, Um, you know, especially during the season. I think it's important that we all remember, you know, no matter what, God is still good. And sometimes I think when bad things happen, our human, um, our humanness causes us to like feel like a victim in some sense. Um, but you know, it's really important that we change our mindsets, no matter the situation to remember who really is on our side. And, um, I just love everything that you had to say about that. I thought it was so good. So thank you for sharing, um, that part of your life with us. Um, but let's shift gears just a little bit. So for as long as I've known you, and it's been a pretty long time, um, you've always had a heart for missions and a heart for reaching people has always been something that I've admired about you. Um, so how, like, have you always had a heart for missions? Um, is that something like you've always wanted to do or had a call to do? Yeah, I think, um, since a young age, um, I want to say when I was 
10, maybe, um, maybe a little older. So probably like during this season, again, being a pastor's kid, I was, I met missionaries and stuff who came to our church. And I remember meeting a missionary and them sharing about their need. Um, and, and at the time, Speed the Light was a big part of youth ministry. So they bought like cars and sound equipment for missionaries. And I remember him sharing about his need for a vehicle And I remember going up and crying, like, and I am actually not a super emotional people. There's only a few times of people and person. (laughs) Um, There's only a few times in my life that I can be like, oh yeah, I cried at the altar or I had that, you know, that, that um, physical reaction to something. And I remember going up to him sobbing and saying like, I will do what it takes to get you a car. Like I was determined at 10 years old to be like, no matter what I have to do, um, I want to get you a car. I want to support you. I want to help you do what you're doing. And which is actually crazy because I look back now and I think that is what led me to love entrepreneurship. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have that language for it at, at 10. I wasn't like, I'm an entrepreneur now. It was, but it was just through these small um, fundraisers and tasks. Like I remember selling cards that I would stamp and hand make. I remember um, actually my first business that I started that was very illegitimate um, was called the button business. And it stood for building up those that others neglect. And what I actually did was I um, crocheted and used like buttons in the crochet, like on hats and whatever. And I would sell them and, and give the money towards missions. So yeah, I, I think at PK retreat one time I took photos with the different scarves or stuff that I had taken or had made to put on the, my (laughs) free website that I wanted to do. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, interestingly, my love for missions and supporting the call that other people had in their lives to serve people, um, I led me to, to entrepreneurship. That is so cool. I actually totally remember um, when you did that. And that's really cool just to like look back on that season. Um, what a fun season. <laughs> and I, then, know. I, I know. I miss all sorts of parts about it. But, um, but to look at that season and then look at where you are now. And just like as a friend, I'm so incredibly proud of what you're doing. And, um, I know I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that Tori now owns her very own local business called Paradox Coalition. And though Tori's not doing overseas missions, like most people there, when you hear missions, you automatically think some third world country or, you know, some, somewhere that's not America. But what I love about Tori is that Tori has taken her heart for missions and she's brought it right to our very own backyard through this business. And um, I want you to share with us a little bit about what what is Paradox Coalition? Yeah. Paradox Coalition's mission is to rethink employment for single mothers to be more flexible and sustainable. And it's interesting that you talk about, yeah, we think of missions as an overseas thing. And um, I had thought about missions that way too. And so actually my 
freshman summer of college, I went to Uganda and I went with a business team. And so it was really cool that we got to teach some business classes to people, locals there and um, teach them about, yeah, how do you provide for yourself? How do you create a sustainable business so that you can feed your families and help your economy? And how does that build kind of everyone up? And I came back and I was in an entre- uh, a social entrepreneurship class and I had this whole business plan of, okay, what if I employed women in Uganda? What would, you know, what would that look like? And um, part of me, you know, my, one of my professors said like, are you thinking about really doing this? And part of me wanted to, but I definitely thought, how in the world am I going to start a business that employs women in Uganda that when I'm 19 at the time, like I was just like, I don't know. I've never started a business before. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and not that it can't be done, but at this time, actually, I was working as a hostess at a restaurant and one of the hostesses that I worked with was named Steph and she was a single mom and she was, uh, she was younger. Um, and she had a, a daughter named Janae, who is the cutest little girl I have ever met. Um, and one day Steph was coming into work and she was late and the managers were kind of upset with her. And she had said like, well, I missed my bus because my, usually my mom babysits my daughter while I'm at work, but, uh, today she couldn't. So I had to get a babysitter and the babysitter was late. And so then I missed my bus and then I had to come late. Uh, and then pretty much in just talking to me, she was like, I don't even know why I'm here because I'm pretty much paying someone to watch my kid, what I'm earning right now. So there's no, I'm not making anything by being here. I'm just, it's all going to go to the babysitter, but I didn't want to just call out because that would look bad to the managers. And so, um, actually in hearing Steph's story, I was like, oh my goodness, single moms have huge barriers to employment, to providing for their kids. They, they have to choose between being present or providing and, and, childcare is so expensive and transportation can be an issue and um, it's, it can be so difficult. So as I actually reevaluated my business that I had planned to employ women overseas, I remember going to my professor at the end of my sophomore year and saying, what if I employed single moms instead? Uh, And that was really where Paradox Coalition was born out of was seeing actual needs within my own community, that this was a girl I had worked with for a year and um, hadn't really like paid attention to the struggle that she faced daily, trying to, trying to go to work, trying to provide, trying to be responsible. Um, but at the same time, saying, I also need to be a good parent and that's my priority and I can't leave my daughter if the babysitter hasn't showed up, shown up. So... Um, yeah, that's where Paradox was born out of. That is amazing. Um, that is so cool. So can you tell us what does it look like um, right now? Like what are some of the logistics behind how Paradox Coalition is being run? Like how many single moms are you in connection with right now? Or what's the process that someone has to go through to get connected to what you're doing? Um, And what type of things are you making or doing to provide them that support? Yeah. So right now, Paradox has, hasn't has even been fully launched for a year, but we work with one single mom um, 
Her name is Brittany Alexander. She's incredible. She's also our lead stylist on the team. She's so fashionable. She's so brilliant. Um, And she actually went to my school. So she was another mom that I got to interact with um, and tell her about my idea. And she has brought so much wisdom to it as a a single mom with actual experience to say, no, this won't work. This will work. Um, So right now she's our only single mom that we've consistently worked with. But I was actually on a call today with the founder of Emerge Mothers Academy, which is another local nonprofit in the area who's been doing great work with single moms for the past eight years. And they've been able to provide educational programs, work preparation programs, but they don't actually offer employment themselves. And so we are actually talking about creating a partnership because she has relationships with over a hundred single moms in the Twin Cities area about how do we partner together so that you can help moms and the and single moms who want at-home employment, um, connect them with us and we will provide the training and the materials that they need to create products from their home on a schedule unique to their needs. Um, and then Paradox does the selling. So moms, um, how it really works right now, we sell earrings. Um, and so all the earrings can be made from home. Um, and the moms can do that on a schedule. So if, if they are an early morning mom, they can get up and make earrings and they'll get paid per earring that they, uh, pair of earrings that they make. And then we do the sales. So the mom doesn't have to invest. It's not, um, like if you've heard of like Mary Kay or, or different, Um, models like that where you buy a mount of product and then you have to sell it yourself. It's not like that. Moms are guaranteed wages for the products that they create. Um, And then we get them and we sell them. So they don't have to have a network. They don't have to have sales experience. They don't have to worry about, yeah, like, oh, I'm not going to make money off of this if I don't have the right, uh, yeah, again, network to sell it to. It's like, we'll take care of that. We'll do the, you know, I went to school for business. I'll take care of the marketing and the selling. You get guaranteed employment when you make earrings for us, guaranteed income. It's not commission. It's not any of that. It's guaranteed. Um, and then again, the beauty of it is that it's flexible to their schedule. So if they're early morning or late night or in the middle of the day, they get the flexibility to do it around their schedule and their kids' schedule, um, which is a huge problem or a huge barrier for single moms is I have a kid. I have a kid who might only go to school from nine to 12 when they're young, maybe not school at all. And so either I'm paying expensive childcare and making, um, probably working a low entry level employment type of job. Um, so here we want to say, we want to give you gainful wages, uh, and we want it to be able to be done on a schedule unique to you. That's amazing. What a blessing to single moms who are just looking for help, you know, in that area. Um, and what a cool idea. I don't think I've ever really seen anything done like it. Um, so I am just super inspired hearing about that story. Um, I, I just love it. And I'm so proud of you. What is um, one of the biggest challenges so far that you've um, maybe have had in this process? All of it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think um, starting a business that is uh, a, a brand and employing other people and um, 
involves, it involves so many layers. Um, and luckily I have been blessed by incredibly talented friends who do things like photography and videography, who help with branding and colors, because I am not, I am not an aesthetic person. Like some people, they, they compliment the brand. They're like, Oh, I love the colors you chose. And I was like, I did not choose them. That was the guidance of, uh, friends who were wise enough to say, I think you should go this route. And, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's very complicated. Um, even going to school, there's just a difference between learning something conceptually and actually doing it. Um, so to actually start to say, okay, what does a marketing plan look like? How do we get people on board? How do we create products? Like I, uh, again, I'm, I'm not necessarily in the fashion industry. I wasn't trained to make earrings, but it's through a series of meeting with other small businesses, YouTube, like any resource you can find and saying, okay, how do we make a quality product that people will love and want to buy? Uh, how do we figure out profit margins? How do we figure out? So it is really wearing um, a ton of hats from, again, finance to marketing to even managing of how do we onboard other people to help? Because ultimately, um, no good thing is ever going to be done alone. And so mm-hmm. how do we get other people, especially when you can't pay them uh, to see the value in the mission and say, hey, I'm willing to commit for a time or a season because I believe in what you're doing, um, even though it might not add immediate value, like monetary value to me. So um, yeah, I would, I genuinely would say all of it has its own struggle in it, but uh, I've been incredibly blessed, even again by Brittany, who I mentioned earlier, just giving of her time as a single mom still um, I've been able to pay her to make a few products. Um, but ultimately all of her insight and marketing and fashion knowledge was given freely. And so um, even that of like, I've been incredibly blessed by people in my life who say, I see the value in what you're trying to do um, and willing to help you do it. That is so cool. Guys, I am just so happy um, that you guys were able to get a front row seat today about all that God is doing in Tori's life and how he's moving through the Paradox Coalition. Tori, I'm just so, I'm so incredibly proud of you. You have no idea. Um, Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope that you guys are just really encouraged by her story. And maybe you yourself have um, a heart to start your own business or a heart for missions. Hopefully, you've been able to catch something of what Tori has shared with us today. And um, hopefully, that will help you guys in your journey as well. You guys can check out her local business on social media or visit their website, paradoxcoalition.com. I may have to do some online shopping now, Tori. Yes. (laughs) I'm a shopper at heart. Like I just love shopping. So I'm going to have to come on, maybe buy a pair of pair of earrings. I've already done some looking at them before we came on today and have seen them before throughout your posting. And they're so pretty. I love them. So you do a really great job and I'm so excited to see how this grows. You will have to keep us updated. I will. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I, again, I'm so honored to even be thought of. 
You are welcome. Thank you. Seriously, you've been amazing. And I have been so encouraged. I always leave encouraged talking to you. Um, So yeah, thanks for being with us. We will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Heart Candy Podcast. This chat has been so inspiring and encouraging as an aspiring business builder myself to hear Tori's why behind the Paradox Coalition and the persistence that she has to help it grow is amazing. Thank you, Tori, for sharing your heart and your story with us today. This episode truly was jam packed with so many things that really hit home for me. I will definitely be revisiting this conversation again. Guys, we have some big news on today's podcast, and that is we are doing a giveaway. That's right. We want coffee on us this time, so we're going to be giving away a $25 gift card to Starbucks. All you have to do is go follow us on Instagram at the Heart Candy Podcast, as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That part is so important. Truly, reviews are a game changer in the podcast world. It lets me know that you guys are listening and enjoy what you're listening to, but it also allows for a bigger audience to find our podcast, which is really awesome and important. It would be a super help for me and getting the Heart Candy Podcast out. So don't forget to find us on social media and give the Heart Candy Podcast a follow. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to support the Heart Candy, please follow us and give a review there as well. Do you know someone making a difference in your community? Email us at theheartcandypodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, bye.